they tried to keep it out of the news. But Billy Graham went and preached this weekend down in Mississippi. And uh, he's not been in good health, but I guess he just felt called to do so. And he flew back into Charlotte, the airport near his house, and they picked him up in a limousine. And he had a strange request for limousine driver. He said, I would like to drive this big car. I've never driven a limousine. I've done just about everything that you could do in a lifetime. I'd like to drive this car. And so the guy kind of nervous about it, it was Billy Graham, so he let it. And he got pulled over for speed. <laughs> and the young trooper came up to the window, and of course he recognized who it was, and he said, just a minute. He went back to the squad car and he called his commander and said, look, I know that we are trying to crack down on speeders, but I know we also sometimes make it, uh, exceptions and allowances for really important people. And uh, I've stopped a really important person. I wonder if I can give him a warning. And the, the commander at the office said, well, who is it? A mayor? He said, oh, no, 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 sir. He's a lot more important than the mayor. He said, well, is it the governor? He said, oh, no. He's way more important than the governor. He said, well, is it the president of the United States? He said, oh, no, it's, it's a lot more important than the president of the United States. And the commander said, who could be more important than the President of the United States? And the young group said, well, I'm pretty sure it's God, because he's got Billy Graham driving him around. <laughs> well, I'm not God. I'm not even Billy Graham. And I'm, I'm excited to be here uh, with you tonight. I appreciate Russ's testimony. Many of you have asked if, uh, about having books and I haven't really wanted to make this about my books or anything like that, but I will try to have some tomorrow night afterward, if you'd like. Um, but I really want this week to be about the Word of God. And so that's what I really want us to focus on here tonight. Uh, would you pray with me? Gracious God, we give you thanks. Give you thanks for allowing us to be here tonight. And now in the next few minutes, in the stillness of this place, would you shut out the world? Would you bring us to you? And would you allow everybody here to focus on your word? And may your word be a lamp to our feet, and a light upon our path. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. The United States of America, I believe, is the greatest nation in the history of the world. But I believe that we are a sick nation. And I believe that we are intentionally moving away from our greatness and what has made us Great. I spent 40 years of my life teaching the history of this country to young people. I have studied, I have read, I don't know a lot about a lot, but I know the history of this country. I would consider myself an expert on the history of the United States of America. I'm not an expert on anything else except Georgia football. 
but I'm an expert on the history of the United States of America, and we are in decline. People get mad when I say that sometimes. A lot of times people don't like to hear truth. A lot of preachers are afraid to preach the truth from their own pulpits because people don't like to hear the truth. People have always said, Abraham Lincoln said, that no enemy, no enemy will ever as much as put a footprint on the Great Prairie or take a drink of water from the Missouri River. If America falls, she will fall from within. And we are at the tipping point, I believe. Let me talk to you about some things that are true about our nation. We were founded as a Christian nation. I alluded to that last night uh, in some of the scriptures, some of the passages I read, I think the letter from John Adams. We were founded as a Christian nature, nation, but there are revisionists and there are people who want to change history and convince everybody that that's not true. Well, we have a birth certificate. It's called the Declaration of Independence. And in our birth certificate, Thomas Jefferson wrote, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights and liberties of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, endowed by their creator with a capital C. Thomas Jefferson knew that our rights do not come from government. Our rights come from God Almighty, and the government doesn't have the right to take those rights away from us. In fact, he continued to secure these rights, governments instituted by men, deriving their just power from the consent of the governed. And so the laws of the United States can't be altered, can't be changed. We cannot have our rights to be abused unless we consent. And we have consented because we've elected representatives over and over and over that are creating laws contrary to the will of God Almighty. We have elected them and we have re-elected them. We the people have no one to blame but ourselves. Thomas Jefferson also wrote the Declaration of Independence at the end. He relied on the judgment of the Supreme Judge of the world. The Supreme, capital letters, Judge of the world. God Almighty is all through our birth certificate as a nation. When the Constitutional Convention met to write our Constitution, which is the law of the land, Benjamin Franklin made the statement, I don't see how if there is a God in heaven, and he read scripture and he said that a sparrow can't fall from a tree unless I know it. If he cares that much for a sparrow, how can we think that the fortunes of our nation can rise and fall 
without asking for the guidance of God Almighty, and he offered that every meeting of Congress should begin with a prayer. And since 1787, every meeting of Congress has begun with a prayer. The Supreme Court, who says that we can't display the Ten Commandments on our building, meets in a building where the Ten Commandments are engraved on the entrance. We were created and intended to be a Christian nation. You can look at the documents, you can look at the writings of all of our founding fathers, and we are no longer a Christian nation. The President of the United States proudly says so, and he's right. And we have no one to blame but ourselves. Let me tell you some other things about our nation. Surveys constantly say, constantly say, over and over and over, that only about 40% of Americans are in church on any given Sunday. There is an old ancient Greek word for that statistic, balagna, or balone. The number's not 40%, the number is 8%. People lie. Anybody ever watch the movie, the TV show House, about the doctor, the weird antisocial doctor that was a brilliant genius? Every week, the people lie. People lie on surveys because they're guilty, so they say they go to church when they don't. If you actually count the number of people in churches on a given Sunday, it's about 8% of our population. The United States has given up on church. The United States has turned away from God. Last year, more than 50% of babies born in the United States were born to unwed mothers. That is not the intention of God Almighty. That was not the plan for society. And we have sat back and allowed the Supreme Court of the United States to redefine marriage, which was created by God, not by government, and defined by God 3,500 years ago. Turn on any television and look at what you see. And we as a society simply go along. Not them us. Now wait a minute, are you not contradicting just what you said yesterday about not, no, I'm not contradicting at all. I'm not talking about judging, I'm talking about loving everyone. Everybody I'm talking about, my sins are as great as theirs. But I'm saying that as a nation, we are on the decline because we are turning away from God and we are trying to pretend we're not. And so we're trying to change our beliefs to fit society, and we're trying to rationalize why we do it. Right is right, and wrong is wrong, and right has been right, and wrong has been wrong since the beginning of time. We don't have to say, oh, I wish life came with a book of instructions, because it does. It's the Holy Word of God, and it says what it says. Now that's what I believe. 
but there is hope for our nation, short of the second coming of Jesus Christ. We do not have to continue to be a nation in decline. Because God told us through Solomon in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 verse, verses 13 and 14 or actually 13 through 16 I'm going to read. Now Solomon was the smartest man in the history of the world. It says so in the Bible. Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. Solomon completed the temple. And when he consecrated the temple, he offered prayers of thanksgiving to God Almighty because Solomon knew it wasn't his strength, it wasn't his courage, it wasn't his wisdom that allowed the temple to be constructed. It was the grace of God Almighty. So he observed the festival and he prayed on the dedication of the temple and when Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord and the royal palace and had succeeded in carrying out all he had in mind to do in the temple of the Lord and in his own palace, the Lord appeared to him at night and said, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. Now listen to the scripture of the evening, beginning with verse 13. The Lord God Almighty knows that we aren't always going to have smooth sailing. What was that old song? Lynn Anderson was a country music singer who sang, I beg your pardon. I never promised you a rose garden. Paul had a thorn in his flesh. We don't know what it was. Do not let anybody mislead you and tell you that the Christian life is an easy life. Because it's not, and it never was intended to be. Jesus himself said, if you will follow me, you must take up your cross and follow me. So God said, when I shut up the heavens, so there is no rain. It's been a little bit dry at our house the last week or so. When I shut up the heavens, well, there's no rain. Or I command locusts to devour the land. Or I send a plague among my people. If trouble comes, is what God is telling Solomon. If trouble comes. Trouble has come to the United States of America, whether we want to admit it or accept it or not, because we are more divided than we have ever been in the history of our nation. We are more divided. I lived through the civil rights movement of the 1950s and 60s. There is more racial tension now in many parts of our country than there was then. We are divided black versus white, rich have been set against poor, Christians against other people. We have a plague upon our land right now that we brought upon ourselves, I believe. But God promises this. Listen not to Darrell Huckabee. Listen to the word of God. Because he said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face 
and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now let's look at that very briefly because time is short. The first word in that passage is if. Is if. Is if. God has paid for our sins. He sent His Son Jesus Christ to die on the cross. And a lot of people think, and a lot of people are teaching bad theology. God loves us so much that He wouldn't send anybody to hell. God loves us so much that Christ has paid for our sins. So it's unconditional love. So everybody's going to heaven. That is simply not true. I talked about the gift yesterday. We have to accept that gift. So there are conditions. There are conditions of love, but there are conditions. And God gave Solomon a condition here. He didn't say that whenever bad times come, I will just kill your land. No. He says, if, if we have to do it, he's putting the honest on us to do something. Are you hearing me? But look what he said. If my people who are called by my name. He's talking about us. We're Christians. We're called. We've accepted the call. We've answered the call. We are Christians. He didn't say if everybody in the nation prays. He didn't say if these people pray. He just said if my people who are called by my name, if just the Christians, if just those of us who claim to have accepted Jesus Christ, if just those of us who were called and have accepted the call and claimed to be Christians, if just we do it, that's enough. If just those 8% that are in church do it, and the ones who intended to be, that's enough if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Now, why do we have to humble ourselves in order to pray? Because when we humble ourselves, we say, God, I realize that I can't do it by myself. Has anybody ever heard of Joe Namath? Joe with a name. Broadway Joe. Said, I like my women blonde and my Johnny Walker red. Joe with a name said, I can't wait for tomorrow because I get better looking every day. Joe Willie Namath played at the University of Alabama for Bear Bryant, the only football coach in history to have an animal named after. And when Joe Namath left Alabama, he went to New York and played for the Jets. Broadway Joe. And he was a drinker and he was a carouser and he earned that nickname. He earned the nickname Broadway Joe and he couldn't handle it. He couldn't handle the bright lights in New York. He couldn't have his, handle the celebrities. He couldn't handle the women and the alcohol. And he was about to get kicked out of the league because of his shenanigans. And he called his college coach, Bear Bryant, and said, Coach, I don't know what to do. I'm about to throw away everything. 
And Bear Bryant asked her this question, Joe, have you gotten too big to pray? Sometimes we are too big to pray. Sometimes we're so determined that we can handle our own problems that we don't go to God. Abraham Lincoln again said, I've been knocked to my knees only to realize that that's where I should have been all along. We have to humble ourselves. We have to realize that we don't have the answers. We have to ask God to provide the answers. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. We need to seek the face of God instead of the things that we, and when I say we, I don't specifically mean we who are gathered here in this place tonight. I mean we the people in general who are Christians. Are we seeking God's face? Or are we seeking worldly pleasures? The room should be full tonight. Not because I'm here, but because God Almighty is here. Because the word of God is being preached. And because we have people in our community who need to hear it. But we're doing other things. Churches everywhere are changing their schedules. Churches are spending millions of dollars, correct me if I'm wrong, preacher, churches in our denomination are spending millions of dollars having studies done to figure out how best to reach the millennials and how to do church. People are having church on Friday morning and Saturday night because they say, well, the people won't come on Sunday. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. My daughter goes to a church in Atlanta with thousands of people. They have Sunday school on Saturday night. All of these things. But the point is, we're not seeking God's place. We're seeking worldly pleasures and getting to God when it fits our schedule, when it's convenient. And that's not what God asks us. Do. We need to seek his face and give the world what's left over instead of the other way around. Are you hearing me? Do you understand what I'm saying? And I'm saying we. I'm not saying you or them. I'm saying me. And then he says, and turn from their wicked way. Oh, God, I almost got out. Oh, it's going to be so easy. Because last night I talked about grace and said it's not grace plus works or grace plus following the law. It's just grace. But you know when Jesus encountered um, the woman who was about to be stoned in adultery. And he said, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. And slowly everybody dropped their stones and walked away. And Jesus said, where are those who would condemn you? They're gone, Master. And he said, neither do I condemn you. And just keep on doing what you've been doing, right? No, he said, now go and send them more. 
goes and no more. Where is your husband? I have no husband. You have spoken the truth. Or if you have had many husbands and the person whom you now is not your husband, go sin no more and turn from their wicked ways. Okay. That's what we need to do. If my people were called by my name, would humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways and seek my face. What's going to happen then? Here's the good news. Then I will hear from heaven. I will hear from heaven. It's a promise from God Almighty, and I've never known God to break a promise. I've never known it. Not in my lifetime, not in my understanding. I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin. Hallelujah. Forgiveness. And will heal their land. Our land needs to be healed. I wish I could sit every person who claims to be a Christian down in front of me and go over this with them. Can you imagine how much power will be unleashed if we will all do this? Pray for our land and God will hear from heaven. And he'll forgive our sins. And he'll heal our land. Well, I can't make everybody do that. I can't make anybody do that. Mike can't make the congregation do it. We can only do it ourselves. Now, if you know this, and if you believe this to be true, what excuse is there for not doing it? Why would you not pray for our land on a regular basis? I can only think of two reasons. One is, well, you don't really believe it will do any good. And if that's our position, then we're wasting our time being here. The other reason that I can think of is, well, we just don't care. And if we don't care, we get what we get. And maybe a third reason is that sin nature where we just think more of ourselves, but generally we do anything else we don't mean to. And we just seek our own pleasures instead of taking time to do the will of God. And God understands that He sent Christ down the cross. Please hear the word of God tonight. We live in a sick land that needs to be healed. And God has written the prescription. Isn't that a beautiful thing? If my people will call by my name, will humble themselves, pray, and turn from their wicked and seek the face of God and turn from their wicked ways. And I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. That's a promise.
shall we pray. God of our fathers, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the great I am, Abba Father, by all the names you're called, by all the names you're known, we come to unite, O oh God. We give you thanks for allowing us to live in this nation where we have such abundance of material goods, where we have such abundance in freedom, and where we tend to be so selfish and so of the world. Dear God, I would ask that every person who hears these words tonight be touched and make a conscious effort to pray for our land. Because God, you have blessed us so much. We are constantly asking, may God bless America, and you have. My prayer tonight is that America, once again, will bless you. In the holy name of Jesus Christ, who became our sin to free us from sin, we pray. Amen.